How does a transit system ramp up to serve tens of thousands of new riders from mega events like the Super Bowl and World Series? Or handle record-breaking heat like this year's 31-day streak with temps above 110 degrees, all in America's fastest-growing county? Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm host and producer Paul Comfort, and today we answer these questions with Jessica Mefford-Miller, the Chief Executive Officer of Valley Metro Regional Public Transportation Authority in Phoenix, as we ride aboard her light rail system and new streetcars. Plus, we enjoy a bonus chat with Ryan Johnson, the CEO of America's first planned car-free neighborhood of cul-de-sac, as we walk through his amazing new community in Tempe. And if you want to see what we're talking about, you won't have long to wait. We filmed our visit and show you plenty more, like behind-the-scenes footage of their operations control center and rail maintenance facility, plus their solar grid that supplies all power to their maintenance shop. And we include bonus interviews with leaders like the mayor of Tempe. Plus, we share the amazing local food and culture of this Western American scene, all on our January episode of Transit Unplugged TV on YouTube. Check it out. Now come with me on board the Valley Metro light rail system on a ride with CEO Jessica Mefford-Miller. Welcome to Valley Metro Light Rail, Paul. We have a 28-mile light rail system, 38 stations. We've got two expansion projects under construction. So we'll open a new line in 2024 and then again in 2025. Awesome. And this has been going on for a while, right? It has, yeah. Actually, our light rail is almost 15 years old. Wow. Mm -hmm. Now, I understood that um, Scott was telling me, your predecessor, that there was a lot of concern. We're in Mesa right now. That's right. And they were running this through and businesses... We're upset. Tell, tell me about that and how you overcame that. Well, you know, Valley Metro is a street running light rail system and we are building in already established communities. So that means there is an impact of construction. So we've got a couple of programs, one in Phoenix. We're working in partnership with City of Phoenix. We've got a business assistance program. And to date, we've awarded over a million dollars in grants to small businesses that are impacted by construction. You know, we are building the service for the community. We want those businesses to be here to serve the community once we open. And how do you identify businesses that are affected? Do they apply for assistance? There's an application process, but we okay. actually have staff embedded in the project corridors who are working with the residents and the small businesses. So we're reaching out to them. And what's the results of all that, that program? You know, it's, it's been met with a lot of positive appeal, and we've not seen many small business closures, even during the pandemic, when a lot of our construction activity was at its peak on our South Central and Northwest Extension projects. All right, so let's back up now. But tell me about your system as a whole. So Valley Metro, we serve 18 different member cities, plus Maricopa County. A lot so of name members. some of them. You got so, Phoenix is the main one, right? Yeah, so our biggies are Phoenix, Mesa, and Tempe, and okay. they're served by light rail and bus. Tempe's also served by streetcar. But here in the valley, even our little town, so my little town of Gilbert, is about 275,000 people. That doesn't sound like a little town. Does it doesn't, it? Yeah. doesn't. And we've got other cities that are big in East Valley, like Chandler. And then we've got a lot of growth happening in the West Valley in communities like Goodyear, Buckeye, and Avondale. I mean, when you say a lot of growth, uh, this is the fastest growing region in the country, right? It is. Maricopa County? That's right. Wow. Yep. We are growing up and we are growing outward at the same time. Interesting. So in communities like this here in Mesa, we're seeing densification, especially seeing that trend happen in Tempe in the city of Phoenix. Okay. But we're still expanding outward, particularly in the westward direction. 
So they've had different set of mobility needs, and they're in a different arc and their trajectory. And so here we're delivering local bus service, commuter service, microtransit, and paratransit service. You were telling me earlier that you feel like, you know, because public transit really post-pandemic has shifted ridership patterns. It has. Tell me about how you, how you here in Phoenix uh, and in Valley Metro are addressing that. Well, Paul, where we've been and what the core of our business still is, is urban arterial bus routes, light rail service in our dense communities, streetcar service that opened in 2022, and then some of our lower density suburban routes. But what we're seeing, Paul, is an increase in ridership in the evenings and the weekend periods and a little bit less ridership on our commuter-oriented routes that are heading into downtown yeah. Phoenix. Everybody's so, seeing that, right? Yeah, people are working remotely. We've got a lot of tech employment here in the Valley, which lends itself to remote work. And so we're having to really assume a more entrepreneurial disposition as an agency. We are keeping our thumb on the pulse of what our consumers want, and that includes demand responsive service, smaller vehicles. And in some of those low density communities, the 40 foot bus coming every 30 or 60 minutes might not be their solution. So that's where we're experimenting with microtransit. Uh, unpack that a little bit. When you say you're experimenting, what are you doing? So we are working with number cities. There are microtransit pilot programs happening now in the city of Chandler. Okay. They've got their flex service. And then out west in uh, Buckeye, and Goodyear and Supplies, they have a microtransit service as well called WeRide. It's been really popular, and so we've expanded that. So Valley Metro is supporting that, and we've determined to take on some of those operations. And do you um, you contract that out, or how does that we work? We do contract that yeah. out, yeah. Valley Metro actually delivers all of our service through contracts. That's bus, light rail, streetcar. Really? Microtransit, all your service? All of our service, that's right. And so you go out to bids? We do. Like how often? Uh, you know, it depends on the contract. We okay. just awarded a contract for East Valley Bus Operations Service, and that's got a um, five-year base and then multiple option years for up to 10 years. But earlier today, I was at your rail maintenance shop. You do all that in-house? We, we self-perform all of our rail vehicle and all of our rail system needs. Yes, yeah. that's, that's right. And, and one thing that struck me, obviously, Phoenix is known for heat. Yes, it uh, is. You broke all kinds of records this year, evidently, in July, where you had 31 days over 110 degrees. That's right. What the heck, man? Yes. So, so that obviously impacts your... I mean, at nighttime, I heard that it was like 60 days where things go under 90 degrees. That's right, yeah. So there's no relief. So what do you do as a transit agency? Well, you know, Paul, it is hot in Phoenix. It's a hot economy, a hot culture, <laughs> and hot weather. And go. so, But we're built for it. You know, this light rail vehicle that we're on right now, this car alone has more air conditioning power than 10 residential homes. Wow. So we're carrying more AC units on all of our vehicles than systems would in other climates. Makes sense. The vehicles themselves have done very well. So where we've got to actually focus a lot of our heat mitigation efforts, well, is on the people. Okay. On our customers and our employees. So our employees are carrying water backpacks. They're carrying uh, hydration tools out in the community. We're distributing shade. We erect temporary bus stops where we're having construction activity. We distribute water, uh, personal shade like umbrellas. It's an ongoing wow. effort to keep cool and hydrated here in the desert. And I talked to uh, a lady earlier today that works for you who told me you've got it's a CEC program or something. That's right. Tell me about that. Yeah, well, you're going to meet Ricardo later this morning. Okay. He's one of our customer experience coordinators. And the CECs are ambassadors. Their role is to welcome people on board the Valley Metro light rail and streetcar system, make sure they know where they're going, provide assistance. And they also do drives, like our heat relief drives, 
where we're supporting people when it's at our hottest moments. And they also assist with their special events. You know, we do big business for special events. We yes. used to host Super Bowl 57 this oh, year. Oh, that's right. And World Series oh, was just last that. week. Yeah, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> right, right. We were glad to have the chance. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. you have a lot of big events out here. We do. And so do you see a spike in ridership? Always. Yeah. That's right. And so many of our big events are located downtown, right on light rail or in Tempe, like the Arizona our State University station. campus. Right. That is well served by light rail and streetcar tell me about how maintenance differs on your vehicles when it comes to because uh, you got you're in the desert too right particulate matters that's all right. that what are you doing that's right so maintenance on vehicles whether you're talking about your honda civic at home yeah. or a light rail vehicle we're going to get more wear and, and damage to the vehicles here the vehicles take a beating from the sun and so there are certain components we're looking at our tires. We're replacing tires a lot more often here than you would in a cooler climate. Those air conditioning units need service a lot more often. And of course, we can't put vehicles out if the air conditioning system isn't working. So the components just have to be replaced a little more quickly. But we work to try and predict those failures and replace them before they occur. That's smart, yeah. One of the things we didn't talk about yet was batteries. So you're moving to EVs. A lot of people are getting their Tesla or their EV. That's how, right. does, how does battery life affect it in the heat? So for us, our range, so we've got a hot climate and then we've got long routes. Phoenix has got a super grid system. And so we need our buses in some cases to travel 260 miles over the course of their duty cycle. So as we're specking our new buses, Battery life is going to be one of our most critical considerations because we don't want to split up those blocks. That's going to require more operators to support that service. And because of our air conditioning use, we're drawing down more energy than buses would in cooler climates. And what are, where are you at on ridership now post-pandemic as opposed to you know prior to it? So we're approaching 60% of our pre-pandemic ridership call and where we've seen the best rebound is on our rail system. It's bus system, which is languishing a little bit. We're about to embark on a comprehensive operational analysis. So we're taking a fresh look at our on-street services. Yep. We'll be making some changes so that we can better serve consumers' needs today and tomorrow. Because they look different than they did five years ago. I mean, you've really got to be, you were telling me over lunch, and I, I really like the word you use, entrepreneurial. We yeah. have to... We have to what did my friend Lauren Skyver used to tell me? If they ain't buying it, we got to stop selling. That's right. That's right. We have to adapt. We can't expect that our consumers are going to adapt their lifestyle and travel patterns to match our system. We've got to lean into that. So we're doing a lot of surveys. We just recently finished a major travel survey diary. And we're going to use that in our system redesign. So I see here on the vehicle, you've got uh, a transit security officer. That's right. What do they do? Well, she works for Allied Universal Security, one of our contract partners. And so she's inspecting fares and making sure everyone has a fare. We're a proof of payment system, like most of our light right. rail systems in the U.S. She's also answering questions and providing assistance to our customers. And if she needs to, she'll summon a higher level of engagement within Allied Universal or law enforcement partners in any one of our three rail cities. Do you have your own law enforcement agency? We do not. Okay. We do not. We rely on our partners in Mesa, Tempe, and Phoenix to provide law enforcement support. Do you pay them or are they just serve available? Well, City of Phoenix has a transit enforcement unit. And so they support bus and light rail across City of Phoenix. And then we have different programs in Mesa and Tempe where officers who are assigned to the precinct are proactively patrolling light rail just like they would in a street or sidewalk in their community. 
All right, looks like this is our stop. All We're right. get off and go to this amazing place called Cul-de-Sac, right? You are gonna love it. It is car-free living in the heart of Tempe. It has been wildly popular. Awesome. We're off. Now, what station is this we got off at? This is Smith Martin Apache Station. And this is right by Cul de Sac. That's right. So, tell me about Cul de Sac. What are we going to see here? So, Cul de Sac is car free living. It's a dense development really designed to create a community in this housing development. They've also brought in Tacos Chivas, one of our favorite local taquerias. Oh, that's why we just had lunch. That's right. <laughs> that's right. We had lunch at Tacos Chivas in downtown Mesa. They've got a bike shop here. And they also have an electric vehicle car sharing so that their residents can have access to a car if they need it. They've got transit passes and they also have bike and scooter programs. Okay. There are so many ways to get around Tempe Paul without a car. So th is this part of the town of Tempe? Or city this Tempe? is, yep. Okay. This is here in the city of Tempe. But it's a development. That's right. It's designed it's a from scratch to not have cars. That's right. Yep, when I first visited cul-de-sac, it was under construction and these buildings hadn't yet been erected and now they are populated with residents who are enjoying an active urban lifestyle. All right, so I just we just got off the light rail system with Jessica and now I'm here in this magical place of cul-de-sac, Ryan. Tell me about it. You're the CEO of this? Yes, yeah. you're welcome. Thank you. So tell me about cul-de-sac. What is it? Cul-de-sac Tempe is the first car-free neighborhood built from scratch in the U.S. And there's 35 buildings today, and we're open, and there's a thriving community. I actually live here myself. Amazing. And what? So it's car-free. What does that mean? Like you can't park your car here if you, if you have a car? It means that instead of owning a private vehicle, our residents use a portfolio of transportation options. Okay. Including the Algant and Unlimited Light Rail Pass. Oh, nice. And the light rail's right there. We're looking at it right now. That's right. And we built a crosswalk uh, right towards it. And I just... Went over it and felt very safe. <laughs> so, so this is shared use. So you got like apartments and then you have retail. We're looking at, what are we looking at here? A grocery store, a taco restaurant. A fantastic restaurant. We've got a coffee shop and wine bar. We've got a co-working space, a bike store. And we've got eight different micro retailers over there in the plaza. Wow. Um, including a one of the residents started a yoga studio. There's a vintage clothing store, uh, an esthetician, and a tea shop. Nice. And, and so what's the game plan here? You, you've got, uh, it's, it's, it's open for business now, but you're going to grow, get more people, et cetera? Yeah, so we're getting, we're expecting CFO on the last of the buildings in this phase in February. And that'll give us a couple hundred residents. Today, uh, today we've got more like 60. And the second phase is underway with buildings opening next year. And then we'll have phases after that. And then as you can see, it's also catalyzed development in the entire area. Yeah. So when you, when you, Reach maximum capacity. What are you thinking about? A thousand people. A thousand people and a bunch of stores. You got a WeWork or a uh, co-working space co -working over space. there. That's yep. great. So if you're hybrid working, you can work in there. Yep. Yeah. And uh, this is Electric Avenue. So we're partnered with the number one electric bike company. And electric bikes are another way that our residents get around. Um, the number one electric bike company is in Phoenix. It's called Electric. And uh, the CEO lives in Tempe. And uh, one day when we were getting together, he said, we should call one of the parts at cul-de-sac electric avenue and so we did a deal and all the residents get a free electric bike really yeah. dude that's awesome yeah wow and so you do you buy here or you just lease you rent rent a place this one's for rent okay yeah that's great and it's it's 17 acres total yep and do you plan to expand and do more other places around the country yeah there's demand for this all over the country the majority of the u.s wants to live in a walkable neighborhood 
Um, the National Association of Realtors did a study and every generation would pay a premium to live in a walkable neighborhood, including 92% of Gen Z. And so the demand is high. After this has been open, we're hearing from cities and residents all over the country. And we have some exciting things that we're working on. Today. Okay. Yeah, that's great. What else do you want to tell me about it that I missed? That our residents use a portfolio of transportation options. So that includes the light rail, electric bikes, electric scooters, uh, ride share. We're partnered with Lyft, um, autonomous vehicle ride hail. Oh, uh, yeah. I rode that last night. Yeah. The, the Waymo? Yeah. Yeah. What a trip. The steering wheel's turning and nobody's there. <laughs> yeah. And um, I don't know if you noticed, but one, you know, the, uh, the, the Waymos, they actually, they actually respect even painted bike lanes. Um, so that's something that I think is going to surprise people with how much it can improve road safety. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So um, uh, tell me about, so we had lunch at this, um, at the taco restaurant yep. and they have multiple ones here, but this one's like upscale. Yeah, this is one of their, they have a few, they have a few higher end restaurants. One of them is called Bacanora. It's on the New York Times top 50 in the country list. Really? And then there's a Spiritu in Mesa and they're a James Beard winner. And then this is their new restaurant. Kachina Chiwas. It's a husband wife couple, Armando and Nadia, and they're fantastic. And they're uh, active in, in our community. And there's lots of events that, that we host together. And they're actually going to be opening the coffee shop and wine bar called Cafe Chiwas. Oh, nice. And you mentioned events. Do you do, like, do you have, this is a nice community. You have things to bring everybody together? Yeah. So some of it happens every day because the retail is open. Yeah. And our residents have guests. Uh, we have some, some uh, recurring and some ad hoc events. So we do a weekly market called Little Choya. And we're expecting a few hundred people, up to 500 people. Um, this Thursday, a market like like what kind of market? Yeah, it's a it's a night market. So there's different vendors. Um, we'll have food trucks, um, local local companies that are selling their goods. Yeah, um, and uh, it's kind of a whole whole range of things, and it allows people to be creative and have a small scale space without needing to open a store. And it's a time for our residents to come together and from the outside community to come together. That's great. Well, this is great, Ryan. I really wish you the best as you continue to grow. Thank you. We just took a tour of cul-de-sac. I love the connectivity yeah. you've got with your transit system. Yeah, it's a great development, super accessible. We come right to the front door of cul-de-sac. Amazing. Now we're back on your light rail system. We're on one of your brand new vehicles. Tell me about this. So this is one of our new Siemens vehicles. This vehicle is part of a series that arrived to support our Northwest extension that's gonna open in early 2024. And also our South Central extension, which opens in 2025. Awesome. And I can say that I am cool, comfortable, even though the yeah. doors are opening and closing multiple times. It's uh, you're, you're four times or 10 times the air conditioned power of a house are working. <laughs> That's right. That When it's hot in Phoenix, it's always cool aboard Valley Metro. All these stations we're stopping at, they've got some great artwork and like, you know, mosaic tiles. And what's, what, that's awesome. Every one of our stations, Paul, has art. Much of it is by local artists. Oh, Typically great. the stations are tying back to some features of the community itself. Uh, it's a wonderful part of our arts line, that's what we call it. So you can go to valleymetro.org forward slash arts line to learn more. We actually conduct tours periodically of arts line on some of our under construction projects like South Central. We also have an arts grants program that awards small grants to local and emerging artists. So we just did an opening of a mural at an elementary school adjacent to a light rail corridor last week. Something, that's great. I love artwork mixed in with transit. So tell us about where we're going now. We're going to a place where your light rail system, was it meet up with a streetcar? Meets up with streetcar, yeah. So streetcar, it's a three mile, 14 station loop. It meets light rail at two different places in okay. Tempe. 
So the streetcar is designed to be that local circulation all throughout downtown Tempe and serves the Arizona State University campus. I noticed you and everybody here says Tempe. Out east where I'm from, we all say Tempe, but you're supposed to put the pronunciation. That's how we say syllable. it here. Yep. Yeah, that's interesting. Yep. Last syllable. I'm, I'm, I'm becoming local, Paul, so go. Tempe yeah. for me. <laughs> and um, Tempe is basically a suburb of Phoenix, but it's a big city on its own, right? It really is. You know, and Tempe has the most dense development in all of the valley. Really? It does. Wow. Yeah, you're, you're in for a pleasant surprise, I think, Paul. It's not just Arizona State University, which does have a huge presence. All right, we got off uh, the light rail, and now on the other side of the divide, we're here at a streetcar station. Tell That's me about right. that, and we just met with the mayor of Tempe. That's right. So you can get around Tempe, Paul, without a car. We have light rail, we have streetcar, we have local bus and circulators, and we're right here at Dorsey and Apache, which is the end of line okay. for the streetcar where it meets up with light rail. Is it going to grow any, expand? It will. We're actually planning the next expansion right now, which will take streetcar into West Mesa. Oh, so that's great. So it'll connect the two towns. It will, absolutely. We're already connected by light rail. And with that streetcar expansion, we're gonna pick up on more of those cultural destinations in Mesa. That's great. So you've got the amazing art, art here, we just showed here. You've got a growing system. You've got the fastest county growing in the country. You've got an upcoming referendum, which I hope the voters get out and turn out and show their support for you. I mean, where do you go in the next three to five years? Well, Paul, we are focused on our customer experience. We are delivering an expanding system. We're also leaning in to deliver new technologies and types of service that are gonna meet the ever-changing needs of our communities. We're also investing in technology, new systems, leveraging our talent. We've got a great team at Valley Metro and then strengthening our relationships with our communities. You know, we serve 18 cities and towns plus Maricopa County. We've got a big service area and within that, there is so much character and culture in each of those communities. For people that are moving here, uh, because you're getting probably over 100 people every day, I That's imagine, right. moving here. What would you tell them about, come on, try our system? You know what, the Valley has something for everyone and Valley Metro is an accessible, safe and convenient way to hit all of the major cultural spots, employment centers, and a lot of great residential neighborhoods in the Valley. Thank you for being our guest on the it's podcast. My pleasure, Paul, thank you. Hi, this is Tris Hussey, editor of the Transit Unplugged podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's episode and a special thanks to our two guests, Jessica Mefford-Miller and Ryan Johnson. Now coming up next week on the show, we have two special interviews recorded live in Edmonton, Alberta at the CUDA conference, the Canadian Urban Transit Association. First, Paul speaks with Marco D'Angelo, president and CEO of CUDA, and then with our regular contributor, Mike Bismeyer, where Paul and Mike talk about the Young Leaders Summit and what it means to be a leader today in transit. While you're listening to the show, you do us a favor and rate and review Transit Unplugged wherever you listen to podcasts, we'd really appreciate it. Rating and reviewing the show helps other people find Transit Unplugged and become part of our transit enthusiast community. Transit Unplugged is brought to you by Medaxo. At Medaxo, we're passionate about moving the world's people. At Transit Unplugged, we're passionate about telling those stories. So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.